0: That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Blob Talk Radio.
1: It's Saturday, September 19th, 2015, and you're tuned in to another episode of the Misty Show where your premier source for fun and informative pet topics. I'm your host, Jay, and joining me once again is my lovely, lovely, lovely co-host, Dee. (laughs) How you doing, lovely co-host? I don't know about the lovely today, but I'll (laughs) take the co-host apart. I'm good, Jay. How are you doing? though? It's a wonderfully gorgeous Saturday. I am doing great. You know, um, we had a lot of fun this morning. I enjoyed hanging out. Like I told you, we did more this morning before, you know, 11 or 10 o'clock than most people do all day. (laughs) Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We got started early, about five something this morning. And yeah, we got a lot done. We got a lot done this morning. We had a whole bunch done this morning. But I like to get stuff accomplished. Me too, me too, and I prefer to do it early in the morning. That's just, yes. it just works better for me. We were up before the sun, so it was cool. Yes, we, we were. were. And you know what, since, um, as you already know, uh, but our listeners don't, since I've been back home, I've been um, baking. Yeah, And I made a pumpkin spice cake with cinnamon cream cheese icing. So I'm, I'm proud of me. You are, very, you are like, getting in there doing stuff, Jay. You are just getting in there taking care of business. You're baking cakes. You're the superwoman out and, you know, taking care of errands. And let me just tell you, listeners, I got a picture of it, and it's gorgeous, and it looks so good, and um, the icing looks very, very tempting. And I think your husband has already um, partaked in some of it, or twice he's kind of gotten some of it. So I think you get a double thumbs up on that creation today well thank you um the cake is good i can testify that the icing is very delicious and it it will knock you down um i've just had i've just had a few little crumb crumbly pieces of the cake i haven't eaten a whole piece but it's very moist very good but um my icing skills are not the best so i won't say it's the most attractive looking cake but um from what i've tasted it tastes very good I so I have to share that. It doesn't sometimes. matter. You know what? Some of the best food I've ever had has not been the most attractive. food. But your cake looks cute. But is it I'm just I'm just saying, but it it it, you know, I'm quite sure your husband would say yeah, um I'm liking it. Yeah, he kind of doesn't care as long as it's sweet and as long as it tastes good. I I think he's pretty pretty good to go. There you go. There you go. That's all that matters. You're trying to get us into autumn, fall. I'm ready for it. Bring it on Me too, you know, 'cause I I was about to kinda get off into that and I was just like, Okay, wind it back in, wind it back in, remember, don't 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 stray too far of course. But then and I haven't talked to you about this yet, Dee, but I'm I'm just gonna put it out here. Um, I kinda find found a way for us to merge two of our favorite topics which mm-hmm. is fall and pets. Oh, no. um, so I, I came up with a way perhaps, well, not even perhaps, I think it would be a good idea for a show that one of our October Pet Spectacular episodes will be favorite fall pet memories. Oh, yeah, I've got a couple of those. <laughs> Me I too. Me two. too. With the boomer, I have a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> so in that episode, we will be sharing some of our favorite boomer and missy memories and it and, um, it'll cover anything involved in fall, you know it can be Halloween, Thanksgiving, and you know what, even the Christmas season because a lot of people don't really think about it this way, and I kind of didn't either, but you know the majority of December is still fall, yeah, it really for us, it is anyway, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, and because, and you know what, winter, I think, really doesn't start until, like, December. It's either somewhere between, like, December 21st and December 23rd. So a lot of December, like, when I'm first putting on my Christmas decorations and all that, which I do the day after Thanksgiving, you know, that's still fall. And I have a lot of memories <laughs> with Missy having fun disturbing me. Well, me I say disturbing me, but she's just being um, very rambunctious and um, mischievous while I'm trying to put up the. This- christmas tree well i remember well i won't go into it we'll save that for the show but i just remember an incident where you said and i, I think i asked you or whatever and you just said oh she's in the tree it's so, <laughs> hot. <laughs> she's in the tree yes yeah. we 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 have a couple of those but we we will save save those for that episode and i'll also even post some pictures because they'll have some pics of her in the tree and under the tree, and in the branches. So stay tuned for that one. We'll be um, scheduling that coming up soon. So we're getting some ideas for the Pet Spooktacular episodes, and as we get those, we will post them on the blog and put them out there on Twitter and Facebook. Um, Before we get to yesterday's pet trivia questions and answers, I just want to give a shout-out, or we want to give a shout-out. Do you know about this, Dee? Have you heard about, um, I guess it's Nishka? the otter at the Seattle Aquarium who has asthma, and they're <laughs> I teaching. I saw that. I saw that. Oh, my gosh, I saw that. I saw her take her puff. That was the Yeah. Thing. She's learning to use an inhaler. Yes, because of the fires. hmm The fires. I saw that. I did. I didn't know her name was Mishka, though. That is so pretty. Yeah, it's very pretty, and, and the, the smoke from the fires, the Washington wildfires that's been affecting her, and so she's developed asthma, so she's learning to use an inhaler. So shout out to you, Mishka. We hope you feel better, and hopefully it's just temporary. I hope she doesn't permanently have asthma, but you know maybe once they get that situation under control, it'll go away. She looks pretty old. She looks like she was doing much better, and, and happy breathing to you, Mishka. Mishka. Happy breathing to you. And who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll do a blog entry about her. We may research and go further into that, or we we may even do a further blog about that on show on another show. No, oh, yeah, you no. Know, like animals are probably being affected by that, all the wildfires and everything. Of course they are. So you know, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, in zoos and anywhere in that area. So yeah, we we'll have to kind of do some more research about that and check in on. Um, oh, yesterday's pet trivia questions. We had two of them. The first one is, what is the largest land mammal? And the second question is, what is the largest sea mammal? Mm. And I really didn't know the answer to this, but um, here goes. After research, the largest land mammal is the African elephant. I was going to say elephant. I was going to yeah. say that's your That's your animal, Dee. That's one of your favorite animals. That's one of my favorite I was going to say elephant. Yay. Okay. Yep, so that is the largest land mammal, and African elephants can weigh up to 14,000 pounds. Well, there you go. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Now, um, for the answer to the second question, and this one is interesting, it's going to end with a twist sort of. Uh, What is the largest sea mammal? And that distinctive honor goes to the blue whale. Mm. The blue whale can weigh as much as Two hundred tons, and can grow to more than a hundred and five feet in length. And not only that, it is the largest living mammal and the largest living animal. So I guess overall, it's not just the sea; it's also just the largest living animal overall, even bigger than the elephant. But the elephant's the largest, like land mammal, if you just count the land. Did um, you say, say two hundred? I'm sorry, Dave, but did you say two hundred tons? 200 tons. They can weigh as much as 200 tons and grow to more than 105 feet in length. Wow. (laughs) That's big. (laughs) Yeah, and they said they might even be the largest animal to have ever lived. Wow. Can you imagine bumping into that in the ocean? (laughs) I would not want to. Wouldn't want to be on a a boat and run into one of those. (laughs) Yeah, it just comes up under you and you're thinking, what's happening? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, the, I mean they're they're awesome creatures. I saw a picture of one and yeah, they're they're pretty big. So um there you go, listeners. Um kudos to those of you who answered correctly. Be sure to check out next Friday's blog entry for a new trivia question. Yay. Now on to today's episode, which is entitled When Animals Clash Tips for introducing a new pet into the home. If any of you would like to join in the conversation, you can call us at 347-838-8313 or listen later in the archives at blogtalkradio.com forward slash she's a Links from info used in today's show will be posted on our Twitter page at twitter.com forward slash Missy Show or on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash four 44 Now, on to today's topic, when animals clash. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? You know, I think a lot of people are kind of like, they don't they. I think maybe they don't think, because I've never had, we've had pets all along, but we've never really, until our boomer, we never really had a pet that was an inside pet. And he was our only pet pet, you know. He was he was the main pet. We never introduced another pet into our home. So I can't really give, like, personal, you know, kind of insight on this. But I think a lot of people kind of think like humans. And, you know, it's sort of like when you bring a new baby into the house and you already have a child, how you have to go through a certain kind of, you know, introduction kind of a thing. But mm-hmm. I think that they don't realize that humans and animals, especially specifically if you have, like, maybe a dog, they are totally different in how they interact with one another, you know. And you would probably go about it differently, you know, because especially with dogs, you know, I just remember, because I did a lot of research on this. I, like I always say, when we when we brought when we were getting ready to bring Homer into the house, you would have thought we were getting a baby because I literally went to work doing research and everything and, and you know, what I needed to do and what I found out was a lot of the things was like, you know, you're bringing him into, it's not so much that you're bringing him into your family, but you're bringing him into your pack, you know, uh-huh. because you're bringing him, he's not looking at you. Well, of course, he's looking at you as the, his family, but it's more of a, you know, a pack kind of a thing like wolves or something to that effect. So with him, I just remember right off the bat because he had, he was very strong-willed. From a puppy, this dog was strong will. And we had to go through different techniques and trying to get him, you know, to understand that, you know, we were pack leader. You know, we were the ones who were pack leader. And there was one pack leader. I was pack leader. And trying to get him to understand, I'm the one who has, you know, the the, the juice, as you want to call it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I'm pack leader. But he, and that was something we had to continuously do with him because he was very strong willed and very you know testing the water as to wanting to be pack leader and you know even as a puppy we had to go because he there was a, one technique that the veterinarian would tell us where we'd have to put him on his back and hold him down until he like became submissive to kind of break that because he would just as a small puppy he would try to uh, uh, you know uh, just be authoritative towards us, and, and, and not necessarily aggressive, but he wanted to be the top dog. And we had to constantly let him know, you're not top dog, you're in the pack, but you're below us. We make the decisions, we, you know, to whatever. So there was a lot that went on in that. So you have to understand when you bring another animal, especially a dog, into your family, you bring him into your pack. That's really interesting, especially the part where you were saying that they recommended that y'all like you like hold him down. And... Yeah, because because they noticed with him, Boomer was a very special dog. They noticed with him right off the bat; he was very strong-willed. He, he he was even as a puppet, he was aggressive, and so they told us right from the beginning, we need to you know you know let him know he is not top dog and, and let him know who alpha dog, and that's basically what they were saying, to give him the sense of we, the alpha dog, let him know who the alpha dog was, and I became the alpha dog within this pack. And so we really looked at it as him coming into our pack, which is that's how it is, actually. And we they gave us techniques of how to make him submissive, to let him, and it was so hard because he would, you would hold this little, furries down. And he would fight. He would fight. It would took so long for him to just give up. And that was just his, uh, his, his, his nature. And so it was a, even when he grew up, it was a constant thing of trying to get him. And you have to know the boundaries because you don't want to be, you know, abusive or anything like that. You have to keep it within the realms, but you have to keep discipline and and keep uh, a strict kind of, um, just to let them know that. You have certain behaviors that are expected of you, and there are certain things that you can and cannot do within this pack. And, and, and it's very interesting reading if you, you can read about just, you know, dog behavior within packs because that's kind of how it is when you bring one into your into your, your family because you're bringing him into your pack. You know what, yeah, and that, that's interesting because, you know, you have different pet situations because I've found some articles about introducing dogs to other dogs introducing a dog to a cat, introducing cats to cats. And with the introducing dogs to other dogs, you really have to worry about that kind of pack situation because the dogs who are already present in the home, the resident dogs, you know, they consider or that dog considers itself the leader of the pack. And now you're trying to bring in a new puppy or a new dog. And, and there are certain rules and certain things you have to do to make that transition smooth. Exactly. It's very, very important, and I think a lot of people, you know, sometimes they think, oh, we're going to get another dog, and you think you can just get another dog and throw the two dogs together, you know, and you can't do that. You really can't do that because it's, it's a hierarchy of sins, of you know, and, and, and they're not, you know, it's great if sometimes I guess you can just throw them together and it works out, but you really need to be aware because especially if you have a dog that has been in that home for a very long period of time, and they have kind of put themselves in a hierarchy within that, within your pack, within your family. And then you bring another one in, and with dogs, they have to. Once you bring another one in, what I was reading is that they have to kind of re, re um, define the hierarchy again. So you have to know, okay, is this dog going to be alpha dog now, or am I going to stay alpha dog, or we're we going to put this? And they were saying something about female dogs. This is like really, really kind of a thing with them because they kind of start the territory or whatever. And so it kind of you And you, every time you bring another dog into that pack, they have to go through the whole thing of reassessing what the hierarchy is and who is the alpha dog and who are the subordinate dogs and, and things of that nature. So it's really important that you don't just think that you can go out and you decide, okay, we're going to get another dog and bring it and it's going to work out because that's when you run into your problem and you have aggression and, and behavioral problems between the two because it might not just flow like you think it's going to flow. Yeah, and I, I found it interesting where I see where they were talking about in this article I was reading, introducing your new dog to other dogs. They were saying that you should introduce one dog at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, it says if you have more than one resident dog in your household, it may be best to introduce the resident dog to the new dog one at a time. Two or more resident dogs may have a tendency to gang up on the new Yeah, Yes, exactly, exactly. Because they, you know, they feel threatened. And who is this person coming in here, you know, into our territory? Because this is dogs are territorial. And, you know, who who are they coming in? Even with, with Boomer, because we knew he was always going to be a one pet kind of a deal with him. Because I think for him, I don't think, I mean, he loved other dogs. He really did. But I think for what was in here, because he was very, you know, this is my area. <laughs> this is my, you know. For what I, the area that I have, this is mine. We knew probably bringing another dog into this situation probably wasn't going to be good because he needed all, he really needed all the attention because he had some, some issues and some different things. And we had to work with him. But like with my sister, and she has, uh, first off, she had, when we, and i talked about Maggie and Nichols, Mr. Nick, Um, she had a Cocker Spaniel at first, and one of the reasons she decided to bring another dog into her um family environment was because during the day, um, she would leave and go to work, and so Maggie would be at home by herself. So she thought about getting someone to come into, you know, just to keep her company and have, a, you know, some a playmate for her. And so they found um, Nick, and he's just a little, bless his little heart, we don't know what he is, but he's a cute little <laughs> thing. <laughs> he's a mix of, of a poodle and something, but he's a tiny little thing. And Nick came in, and right away, you could tell that the alpha was going to be Maggie. She wasn't going to give up any kind of territory, and Nicholas came in and automatically assumed that position of subordinate dog. She, it was one of those things where he, they kind of, you know, you introduce them to see if they were going to get get along or whatever. But he automatically became out, uh subordinate dog to Maggie, and that's the, that's the relationship they have. Maggie is the alpha dog. He is the subordinate dog and follows. Wow, that's amazing, and and it's just like you were saying, and I guess if your sister decided to get a third dog, they would have to reorganize that structure yes. all over again because Maggie yes. May- might not stay the dominant dog in that situation. Exactly, because it could be one that wants to have that assertion and, and have that power, so then you have to try to figure out, because there only can be one alpha, and one alpha within that thing because you really want to let that, you really want to give the sense to, to those dogs that the main alpha is you. You know, with Boomer, we had to let him know. He had, if any other dog would ever came in, he was like, I'm alpha over you. You know, I have, you know, I have whatever you, but as far as with, I was the one who made the decisions and this and you didn't, you know, and that was just all comes through discipline and training to let them know that, yeah, this is the person who makes the decisions. I don't do anything until they let me do something or whatever. You know, it's just the whole obedience training that comes into play, but, yeah, if you have another dog, as soon as you bring another animal into that environment, they've got to go through that whole hierarchy thing again. And then I saw too where they were saying um, if you are going to, you know, if you're thinking about bringing in a new dog, that you want to let them meet in a neutral location. Mm-hmm. They said if you choose an unfamiliar, if you choose an area unfamiliar to each, your resident dog is less likely to view the newcomer as a territorial intruder. So you should consider maybe a neighbor's yard or a park. Exactly. It's it's really, you know, I got this really great article from, and it's it's a whole bunch of information, so I can't really go through everything. The ASPCA kind of gave some really good information about kind of bringing the dog in from the very first time when you go um, to pick up the dog. They say to leave your current dog at home when you pick up your new dog. Because one of the worst things you can do is to just throw them together, of course, in a car and think, okay, this is going to work out. Because you might just have, you know, you know, World War Three in the back of your car and you're trying to take them home and put them together. And if they hit it off like that at the beginning, there's no way in the world they're going to have a good time once you get them in the house. And like you were saying, they they also said to introduce them on neutral territories, you know, maybe a short walk through the neighborhood or a park or something like that. You want to keep the dog's leashes loose. So they don't feel any pressure or any kind of choking or anything. You don't want to, one, the worst thing you can do is to try to kind of force them together. You mm-hmm. know, you know, if they ignore each other at first, and one doesn't seem um want to interact with one another, that's okay. You know, just let them, give them time to, you know, get comfortable with one another. They will come together when they're ready to come together. You can't force them to try to, you know, get along with one another. Cause that's, that that's not going to be good. Um, they also say that you want to make it a positive, lighthearted kind of introduction. You know, let them think of, you know, the dogs are going to sniff each other's butt, you know, just let them get the little whiff. and you want to encourage them. You want to, you know, when, when, if they're interacting with one another and it's a good, positive kind of interaction, you want to give them praise, just like you would if they do something you, you're trying to train them to do. You also give them positive reinforcement and a lighthearted, happy tone, you know, that's good, 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 all oh, you're being good, you know. Give them that and allow them to have that. And then you pull them away, and then you bring them back together again. Um, and you also want to make sure, and this was what we had to do with Brummer when because he did have behavioral problems. You have to, because you always had to be with him. You always had to be a step ahead of what he's doing, especially when I was trying to body train. But you always had to be a step ahead of what he's doing. So you want to observe the dog's body language to let you know, you know, if it's good because you can see when the dog's, are in what they call like the, the playful bow. You mm-hmm. don't know how to do the playful bow? So that can give you an idea that okay, we're putting them together and they're they're having a good time with them as they're doing the playful bow. But if they're not, if they're stiff and their body movements are slow and their mouths are tense and they're, you know, baring their teeth or whatever, you understand that they're probably not getting along. <laughs> you want to pull them apart, you know, give them some space and let them kinda of come back and see it it can kind of taper off and they can kind of come together again. Most importantly, you just want to be patient with them. You know, it's it's going to take some time. And I don't know if you want to necessarily bring that dog home the first day, unless you bring them together and it's just like, you know, love at first sight. You don't want to necessarily make that the day you bring that dog home. Give them an opportunity to meet one another, to play with one another, and then, you know, separate them and the other dog goes back to wherever it is. Don't just, Try to make that the day that you, the first introduction is the day and make that the day you bring that dog home. First, allow, allow them to, like, meet one another and kind of interact with one another, especially if you want to see if they actually are going to get along. Exactly. Exactly. That's a lot of that information. And it's a lot, the, the dog kind of world, it's really complex with the hierarchy and the pack mentality yeah. and everything. Yes. so yeah that that's a lot um, everyone needs to consider so if you are thinking about that you know just kind of take all that into consideration um, I found some information too um, since we're kind of running out of time of course we'll have to like post the link because we won't be able to cover all of it but then sometimes there are situations where you're, you may already have a cat and you're thinking about bringing a dog into the environment or you may already have a dog and you're thinking about bringing in a cat um, and this article called Introducing Dogs to Cats. Um, It says if you're thinking of getting a cat for your dog or a dog for your cat, it's important to consider both animals' personalities. Mm. It may be helpful to look for a companion that has already been exposed to the other species in the past. If a dog attempts to aggressively chase, pin, pick up, or otherwise manhandle any cat to not even consider getting a cat, or at least to proceed with caution. Exactly. Um, It says, additionally, a dog who growls, lunges at, or obsessively barks at a cat will probably do best in a cat-free environment. And likewise, a cat who growls, swats at, runs from, or hides from dogs will probably prefer to not live with a dog. So you need to keep that in mind, too, because I already know. (laughs) <laughs> Missy would not be having that. I know Missy, you know, would not be a cat who would be willing to live with a dog. Exactly. I, just, I just know her personality. That wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I could see her just coming to you and same look, <laughs> this is not going to work. I don't know what you were thinking, but you should have come to me first. This is not going to work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you have to take that into consideration because you never want to – the situation and especially when you're dealing with dogs and cats you never want to just have an unleashed dog in yes. the same room with the cat because we already know how that can go <laughs> no, you, no you've seen the movies where the cat does, and all of a sudden the dog comes into the room and he spots the cat and it's you know no so old barred, and things are just happening <laughs> just, no you don't want that situation going on in your house. And that that and that can be very traumatizing. You know, that can be mm-hmm. very traumatizing to to animals. Yeah, and then there are some situations, you know, not to put it all on the dog, there are some situations where you may have a cat and they will they will just get to scratching because you may have a laid-back dog, you know, kind of sweet, gentle dog, and sometimes you can have an aggressive cat and the they dog can get hurt, you know. So, I mean, still you have to look out for both their personalities And they have a lot of tips about, you know, how to make that transition easier, you know, where they discuss about how to separate the animals at first and kind of like have them in, you know, different rooms. And you never want to just leave them unsupervised where they're both just out in the same area. You never want to do that. So if you are going to have them in the same room, you need to always be present with them until they are used to each other. Exactly, because, you know, you never know how that is going to turn out. You never know what kind of, you know, reaction, interaction they're going to have with one another. And the same also goes for bringing a cat into another cat household because cats are very particular animals and they can be territorial. And I know Missy is like that and she Mm -hmm. likes what she likes and, and she does not want to share. She's just, you know, Cats can just be that way. So there are also certain rules and guidelines you need to go by when you're thinking about bringing a cat into uh, another cat household. And we will post all of that. You know, we like I said, there are different situations. Dog with dog, cats with cats, cats and dog mix. And then, of course, not to neglect the other pets, but, of course, this show will center more on, like, a dog and cat situation. Exactly. Wow, this went by quick. Went by really quick. by super fast. Yeah, I mean and we ha had so much information we didn't get to talk about, but that's usually the case. But we'll be sure to post all of this on our Facebook and Twitter pages. We'll post links for you guys. Um make sure you tune into next week's show. We're gonna be talking about pet grooming. Is it necessary? And if so, what grooming um procedures are the most necessary. So make sure you tune in to that one. And We will be back next Saturday at our usual of 5 p.m. Central. And we wish you guys a great remainder of your weekend. And thank you once again for listening.
0: Thank you. Have a
1: great weekend. Have a great weekend. Bye.